You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And hating Nick. Hating Nick. Oh, negative mm. Nicholas. Man, mm. how y'all boys doing, man? Same corner, same oh. time. Wore black for my funeral today. I'm ready to stand in the paint. Uh, yeah. Have at it. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Um, it's, uh, it's beautiful. I'm over here in Hawaii. Uh, it is 8.30 in the morning. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, it was an awesome sight to see. I, I missed the first half of the game on, uh, on Saturday uh, with some plans. But uh, to watch that victory and then watch uh, Nick take his crow has been, uh, mm. been great to see, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, yeah, man, listen, uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to give my opinion. Um, and, and when it's right, and I had some good opinions on this game. Um, but not the one that mattered, not the right. one that mattered. So, uh, Florida was, uh, was really good. <clears throat> um, they took advantage of every mismatch that they had on the field. I think Utah took advantage of, of some of the mismatches that I saw, but, um, the swamp, and I want to get into this later. I have, I got so much to say about the swamp, but the swamp mm -hmm. played a factor. Um, and I didn't. I didn't think, like, outside of Anthony Richardson rushing for 250, that Florida had a chance. He didn't rush for 250. He right. was sensational. Um, but, yeah, man, your boy was yeah, wrong. I, mean, I, I think if you if you would have told me that Anthony Richardson wasn't going to rush for more than 225 or throw for more than 225, you would have thought the game was a, was an L. But um, turns out yeah, turns buddy. Out there were some other, other plans in play. Uh, Silk, talk to us a little bit about your trip, then let's get on to the show. A lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, well, I'm on right now. I'm currently on a, uh, in the car heading back from New Orleans, man. Uh, I had a good time out there for the Florida State uh, LSU tailgate. Well, we kicked it, the roll-up, double fry, uh, no slaughter, our Florida State podcast. Uh, threw a hell of a tailgate out there with Graham Cohen, some of our, some of our mm -hmm. promoters. Uh, Allen Horn, shout out to Allen Horn State Forum, also a, a sponsor on Stadium Miguel. Uh, but I had a great time out here, man. I got to watch the game at a Florida State bar amongst a bunch of Florida State people. Watch my Gators do what they had to do and take care of business, man. It was in cinematic form, uh, Dan and Nick. It was a great time, man, to be able to celebrate amongst ops. I can't, can't even imagine, uh, especially comparing to the uh, the Battle of Mid that you saw yesterday. Right, yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the Mid Bowl was quite the, the game I went to yesterday, man. First time in the Georgia Dome. Um, not, not a bad establishment at all, man, but yeah. the two teams were New mid, Orleans? though. Oh, oh, I love man. New Orleans. Love yeah. New Orleans. Just a little tad bit dirty, but great culture. <laughs> you got you got like forty eight hours in New Orleans before you start feeling like okay, I got a shower and I got I got to get out of here. I felt like, like I needed time. a bath as soon as I got off the plane. I'm not playing. Right? As soon as I got out of the car, I felt like I needed like just take a rinse off or something like a wipe down. But other than that, great me. culture. The food was amazing, man. I had like the great. Uh, we lost him. So this might be a battle all episode. Uh, so whenever Silk gets back in, we will uh, 
we'll we'll tag him uh, back into his commentary. Uh, but yeah, no, he's gonna he's on I ten right now, so he might be a little hit or miss. Um, we're without our microphones this week, so bear with us as we get through. But it's gonna be a hell of a show, hell of a uh, a mm-hmm. week to talk about uh, the Gators' victory over Utah. So Nick, while we wait for Corey to come back, let's give a quick shout out. Silk mentioned him. It's our friend Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance in Jasper, Georgia. If you are looking for auto, home, life, renters business insurance, retirement planning, uh, or whatever your insurance needs may be in Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, or Georgia, give him a call at 706-692-2888 or visit him at allenhorninsurance.com and 706-692-2888 or allenhorninsurance.com. Quick high-level overview, Gators win 29 to 26 against the number seven ranked Utah Utes in a game uh, that had the 10th largest crowd mm. in UF history. So, um, Nick, you being there, you having been to a ton of games uh, in the swamp, tell us how this one ranked compared just by, by crowd noise and crowd volume. Yeah, so I, I got asked a lot, like over the last, uh, this is my 10th season covering Florida. Um, hey, was that the loudest that you've ever heard the stadium? And I'm like, bro, that was there were 78,000 people there. Like, I was in the student section for the cock block. I was at mm-hmm. Tebow and Spike's last uh, senior day. Like, it it wasn't there, but that was the loudest, the most electric environment I've seen at, at the Swamp as covering the team. Um, wow. My dad was there. He was in the touchdown terrace. He said he literally felt – he said – scared him literally felt like the the little terrace at like six out over the north yeah. end zone felt it moving i was like that's not good. there you go <laughs> that's not good um it was really cool and i think i talked about it like uh, on the podcast last week that i was anticipating it being good and that's really what i was kind of looking forward to um and and, and gator nation delivered that was a really really cool uh environment to watch a game and and shoot coming off a win like that you're going to have a top 25 matchup when the AP poll comes out. Uh, Florida assuredly will be ranked. Um, so give me another sold-out 7 p.m. swamp for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Florida fans and I know uh, the Gators, the players on the team, have not forgot the scenes in Lexington last year after that game. Um, so I feel like there's, uh, there's some payback uh, in order Saturday. Yeah, no, absolutely. The crowd looked electric. Uh, you know, Mr. Marquise over here in the uh, the uh, YouTube live yeah. uh, stream said that this was one of the loudest uh, games that he's heard uh, start to finish. That cock block game was loud, uh, but certainly that one moment was certainly the loudest that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, the game was was loud, but but definitely more electric. I would imagine that that Auburn game. I think that probably that Ole Miss game, you know, with Will Greer when uh, Ole Miss was ranked, you know, top five in the country, that was definitely a, a pretty loud. memorable game uh, for me as well. But but from what everybody said, both on TV uh, and, you know, following on social media, it seems like the crowd uh, on Saturday was amongst the most electric that we've seen in the swamp. Um, game didn't get started out, though, you know, the way that, we, you know, everybody thought, everybody had talked about humidity, 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 uh, rain right before the game. Um, Nick did it, you know, and I, like I said, I missed part of the first half there. Did it rain at all at the beginning of the game or, or was the rain? It, it rained like all, uh, it rained all throughout pregame, like the, the entire okay. pregame warm up. It was raining. Um, I got some good video. I put it up on, uh, on our YouTube page, 
Um, but I'm sitting there ready like to film Gator Walk. And as soon as you hear the sirens, the sky just opens up. And I'm like, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. But there were thousands of people at Gator Walk. Um, that was a really cool environment. It was a really yeah. cool day. Uh, yeah. A really cool day. And I've really enjoyed um, all the Utah fans that I see on Twitter that were talking about it. Um, and, and I talked to one and he was like, I didn't understand it. I thought Gator fans were, you know, being arrogant or uh, embellishing it. And they were like, that, that was different. They were like, you guys, SEC, like you, this is a whole different thing than what we do. Um, and they really enjoyed it. So that was cool to see a bunch of people. Um, from I'm glad they talk- experience real football, man. That's nice for them. <laughs> Listen, so when we bring up Brant Keithy, I, I don't need you pretending that you're uh, losing service on I-10. I mean, he, he, he was we, good. We're talking but he about Wee Man today, Stoke. We're talking about Wee Man. Hey, listen, uh, a 6-2 uh, tight end is good enough to, to uh, get an almost win in the swamp, but not a win. So uh, technically, I still won that battle, Nick. Bro, but then my guy comes out and says the, that the stadium wasn't an impact. I'm like, okay, guy, listen, I, I capped for you all week. And then you're going to come out here with this lie immediately after the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, outside of, um, you know, saying that, I mean, do you believe him or, you know, does that make you, do you feel like that makes you like earn more respect in the world? If you're like, Oh, it didn't matter. Um, because to me, like admitting that, you know, an, an opposing fans, base, you know, from opposing fan base, you know, was loud. I don't think really gives up anything. Right. I mean, no, like I, I never, I never understand like the overrated chance. Yeah. It's like, hey, we beat you and you weren't good. So we beat you. We beat bad. Like, I, I never understood over yeah. any chance. I don't understand him being like, no, it had no impact. We just lost. Right. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's look, you know, at the game, you know, a little bit. Obviously, the Gators go in uh, to halftime winning 14 to 13. Uh, and then it does seem in the second half, uh, you know, Utah is obviously able to move the ball pretty well, um, get a couple of touchdowns, you know, but the Gators bounce back each and every time. Um, Nick, from an overall perspective, and Silk, from your perspective too, um, just very much seemed like a bend don't break, you know, mentality. You know, was down in the first half, down in the third quarter, down in the fourth quarter. Uh, ultimately, end up coming back, and then you know, Silk's favorite player, Mari Bernie, with the uh, with the the interception to seal the game. Oh man, um, shout out to Mari Bernie, man. He was getting barbecue chicken, man. It was barbecue chicken alert. Uh, until he made that play at the very end, man. What such a gracious, great catch. I don't think yeah, here's man. another thing. I think if he don't catch it, Travez Johnson gets a pick as well. It was a, it was a terrible decision. Yeah, I was actually just gonna say that uh wide receiver looked blanketed or I, I didn't see who it was. I think it was wide receiver tight end, was blanketed by two people in front of him and then one person behind him didn't definitely seemed like a poor decision there. Uh but Nick, talk to us a little bit about what you saw from the team and, and kind of the tenacity and you know, just I, I think what we saw last year and maybe even under Dan Mullen was a lot of just, you know, playing scared or playing worried. But, you know, going, you know, going for two, going for fourth down multiple times, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you saw. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a tough scene for me. Um, I think I think Billy is not a fan of the Punisher People 2 movement. Uh, I feel like there's going to be some fourth down calls uh, when, I'm trying to get, <laughs> when I'm trying to uh, – to get these get these tweets off, um, yeah, go, go be I, like that Utah fan that's there for the or the uh, Iowa fan that's there for the punters. That might I, that that wasn't <laughs> not me. I'm not saying I wasn't in Ames, Iowa. Is it Ames? That's no, Iowa City, but that's all right. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think I think it I think it's going to take time, but I can see that Billy is going to recruit and develop and uh, build a program that plays to an identity. And you're going to see that I think in in areas this year, but like you don't have all of your guys. Like they, they bought in, um, but I think building that culture and that identity takes time. But I see that's what he's doing, and, and you're seeing glimpses of it. I think we'll continue seeing it more and more this year. Um, I, like I said, Florida was going to run the football. I think they could have run it a little bit more. Um, they There was a lot of motion. My guy, Xavier Henderson, I think he ran seven and a half miles in pre-snap motion. Um, <laughs> and and I don't know that Florida's offensive line I, – I wasn't – I thought they'd play better. Um, I don't know that Florida's offensive line really got the push that I expected them to. And I think a lot of the running was – Napier scheming it up and Napier and, and the offensive coaches having a, a plan and knowing how to attack Utah. So um, I don't think the offensive line played bad by, by any means. Um, but uh, I thought, I thought the O-line played uh, pretty good, man, especially it, yeah. the difference in the game between our O-line and their O-line was uh, finishing in the red zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their run game did pretty good until they got in the red zone. I thought our, our running game was good all over the field, especially in the red zone. We, we punched it in damn near every time. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's, that's the difference. Uh, Florida gets, what, four touchdowns? Uh, no, Anthony had a, a 45-yard run, but three touchdowns in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And and Utah had two turnovers in, in the red zone. The the last play of the game, and then the turnover on downs. Um, that's that's the difference right there. Um, and and I, I maybe you know you say Ben, but don't break. I think the defense. I don't know if they got gassed a little bit at the end. Um, I thought it was weird. Yeah, they definitely got gassed. The defensive line def definitely. I mean to cut yeah. you off, Nick, but our defensive line def did show up, and they definitely seemed a little gassed in that in that, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, because they were getting gashed, like just straight, straight up between the tackles, mm-hmm. kind of like what we talked about, you know, last week before the game is just like, hey, that the depth just isn't there, and and I think Florida needed to hit uh, in the portal uh, at interior defensive line. They didn't. Can't spend, don't cry over spilt milk. You 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 are what you are. They just don't have depth there. So, will that be something that we need to look at the rest of the way? Is it is it something that hey, you don't have enough depth, so these guys are going to get gassed? Shout out to Desmond Watson. Played 28 snaps. Yeah. I saw Gervon played, I think, 68 snaps. Yeah. Um, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna see both of them get, you know, obviously playing a ton. Uh, but that is definitely a concern, you know, and, and like you just mentioned, Nick, it was, you know, a lot more in the the third and uh, you know, fourth quarter there. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely, you know, a situation that Florida's gonna have to overcome in battle and just hope that throughout the, you know, next few weeks and few months that, you know, some of these players that are a little bit lower on the depth chart are definitely not getting you know, as many snaps are able to take more because Big Dad's taking 28 snaps at 439 pounds is, you know, that's going to wear and tear on a on a guy, you know. Um, I thought for the most part, let's just run through some stats here. Uh, overall, Gators rushed the ball 39 times, uh, 28 times by running backs, uh, 11 times by Anthony Richardson. Uh, Anthony Richardson goes for 106 yards and three touchdown running. Uh, Montreal Johnson goes for – 75 yards, uh, one touchdown, and that was a, a great touchdown run for him. Uh, Trevor Etienne goes for five attempts for 64 yards. And, I mean, what a what a breakout performance. I uh, mm. had the unfortunate fumble that he was able to recover right away. Uh, but other than that, just a, a great debut for Trevor Etienne. And then Naquan Wright goes for 10 attempts for 39 yards. Do not see Lorenzo Lingard 
uh, in this game. But overall, guys, rushing attack, how do you guys think that it, it looked? I mean, I think top to bottom it looked pretty good. Maybe expect a little bit more out of Naquan Wright yesterday uh, or Saturday, uh, but definitely overall good running performance. No, I think uh, I think Montreal is a, is, a, is a man, man. I think he's a, he's the real deal. Um, I, I do think in the springtime, uh, uh, Billy wanted to give those guys that didn't he want to show any bias, in my opinion, because um, you can see the obvious difference. I think Naquan's a very good running back, but uh, I found that fumble. That kid has great vision, balance, speed, power. He got everything you want from a running back, and we got him for a couple more years. But I thought it was interesting that uh, Etienne got as much tick that he did, and he looked great, man. Like he looked very good. Uh, our offense line is pushing shit. Uh, I, I seen running lanes, uh, super impressed. I don't think we got deep into our bag of like motions and stuff like that that that, that throws teams off. But overall, I man, I think the running running game is going to be very good, and AR is going to be able to play action off of that all fall. Nick, you are on mute, my friend. I don't think we got as much um, as much as I expected, but the way Florida is going to be able to run the ball, um, it's going to be there. So, like you, you just know it is. Like Florida is going to make teams have to prepare to stop you. Ha- well, first off, with Anthony Richardson, you have to play eleven on eleven. You're covering eleven guys. Like it, it's not like Peyton Manning back there, where hey, we don't need to worry about him running. It, he is a very very real and dangerous threat uh, when the that ball's That 45-yard run was crazy. That Ooh. safety wanted none of that smoke when he got toward it. <laughs> no. that, that is roughly what I would do if Anthony Richardson <laughs> were running at me. Just like – Just square up nicely and then just, you know, just know you're going to miss. Yeah. Maybe I, I might even, like, just bend down and pretend to tie my shoes. Like, oh, coach, I mean, my shoe, shoelace didn't want to get hurt. Uh, yeah, I'm, no smoke. Don't want that. I pull a, a Diabate in the uh, the fourth quarter there, or was it third quarter? <laughs> I got a good Diabate story. So I um I hit him up when I saw that the Utah Plains um the Utah Plains were grounded, and I was like, "Yo, are you still on the ground in Gainesville?" And he goes, "Damn, Nick, I thought we were cool." And I was like, "Wait, I don't get it." And he goes, "Oh, you mean the plane? I thought you were talking about when Ar juked me." And I was like, "Oh my god, he thought I really." hit him up to trash talk him about the two-point conversion. That's actually on my uh, list of things I, to talk about here in a second. I think I don't think you're the only one that got that uh, that that DM, uh, Nick. Um, let's see. We got a super chat from uh, <laughs> Dixon Sider. What a great name. Um, parents must be uh, – parents, parents knew what was up. Uh, Etienne is going to be special. Yes. I think you will have an amazing game. Oh, ETN. Sorry, ETN, ETN. ETN is going to be special. That's the one that I got to get out of my uh, repertoire of uh, calling somebody the wrong name, probably their entire career at Clemson. ETN is going to be special. I think he's going to have an amazing game against Kentucky. I mean, I I think that he's going to be a great running back, you know, for the Gators. You know, certainly there's Montrell Johnson and Naquan Wright uh, that will be getting a lot of carries as well. But I definitely think you saw – a lot of explosive plays out of a guy that, you know, a lot of people didn't really know about, you know, even going into National Signing Day. Mm. You know, he was a guy that, that came onto Florida's radar under Billy Napier. Um, you know, obviously you're familiar with his, his brother, who, who now plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars, previously Clemson Tigers. But, you know, definitely a guy that, you know, I think is going to get a lot of opportunity here at the University of Florida. He – um and I don't want to make that comparison, but, like, he looks like brother. <laughs> like, he, he looks – 
like his like his brother who was a national champion and, and ACC player of the year. <clears throat> um, to be honest, I think outside of like size, I thought his brother looked bigger in uh, college than he like like stature wise. I'm not sure what they're, they're both of their heights are, but I just remember Etienne being a, a little bit more physically imposing. But uh, outside of that, you could tell he comes from a good pedigree and he's working with some pros. Like brothers putting him in touch yeah. with some good people, man, because the things he's doing, uh, the way he see the field is just not regular stuff, man. Um, super impressed. I thought he came in a little chubby. Uh, so for him to be playing like this and doing what he's doing, I think it's very dope, man. Future's bright for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Trevor Etienne listed at 5'9", 218. Uh, and uh, brother Travis listed at 5'10", um, 215. So uh, certainly one's in the NFL now uh, and one's a, a freshman in college. But uh, no, no – uh, so, so Silk, want to get your thoughts overall just on, on rushing uh, attack as a whole. I uh, thought that the you know, rushing obviously did great, but any, any additional thoughts or uh, anything more that you wanted to see out of just the running backs, and then we'll get into Anthony Richardson's game. Nah, man, just uh, super impressed by the, the offense. I, I think we lost you how the workload continues works. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, I just want to say, up, we lost you. How to work. Go ahead. Load. We're losing. In and out. In, in and out. But, uh, no, I think uh, he's talking a lot about workload and kind of seeing how that, you know, whole situation will figure itself out. Uh, certainly the Gators seem to have no shortage of spoils uh, in the running back room. But, Nick, uh, Silk, when you can hear – uh, we saw Anthony Richardson. We'll talk about him as a passer, uh, but let's talk a little bit about him as a rusher. We talked about that 41-yard run. We talked about a couple of the other, you know, powering his way into first downs. Um, we saw what he did just just running the ball. The guy looks incredibly silky smooth out there. Um, you know, truly the threat uh, that a lot of people thought that he could be. Uh, we saw in game one. Now you have to see it over the, the whole of the season, uh, but game one, feet on the ground nick your thoughts um well, let me get the, like the negative out of the way i guess it's, yeah. if, if, if it is negative i think he has um he has some room to improve as a passer i think if like a baseball term like he hasn't developed his change up yet everything is is mm-hmm. is hard is fast and right you need yeah. to add some more touch i think um i think he ha- obviously the arm is the arm is is huge um but I think that he needs to be more accurate. Um, I thought he missed some things. Billy Napier did give him credit and said, listen, he went through the reads and we had concepts. And and that's some of the stuff too. Like we sitting up in the stands or, or sitting in the press box might say, oh, he, he missed that guy. But you don't know what the progression was. or We don't know what right. the concept was and what his first read was or where he was supposed to go. So I can sit up there in the press box and go, ah, oh, he missed that guy. And Napier could tell me, uh, no, that was his fourth read. By the time he got to the fourth read, he was no longer open. Um, Anthony Richardson physically can make up for not being a, an elite passer yet. Um, mm-hmm. He will be the most athletic and physically imposing player, I think, on every field the Gators are on this year. Um, yeah. He is that dude. Um, that 45-yard run, I, he did a damn pirouette 
on a, on mm-hmm. a two-point conversion. My guy looked like a ballerina for a minute. Like, Anthony Richardson is him. So, him, stamp the credentials. Him credentials, man. Stamp him the credentials. credentials man. That's, That's why my win total my win total was a little ridiculous uh, just because I think uh, he's very special, man. And some of the plays you, you can't draw up in a playbook, uh, the things he's doing, you just, you know, the ball snap, uh, players are going to miss. The wide receiver is going to play a little bit better just because he's going to improvise and make shit happen, man. But I think the kid's a special talent. Uh, watching that game, bro, I never felt nervous. We were down, the early fumble, um, none of that, man. Late in the fourth quarter, I just felt like we was always going to win that game, man, because he brings that type of energy, bro. He's a, he's a pure leader. Uh, and I think his, his arm is, is fine. I don't think he was inaccurate early. The adrenaline was pumping big early, right? So he came out a little hot uh, with the fastball. And I don't think that was uh, inaccuracy or anything like that or nervousness. I just think it was adrenaline pumping. Uh, once he settled in, I thought his throws was on point, man. He, he put the ball in some good places, made some good reads. Uh, but it's game one, bro. I, I just like the potential. And if the kid keep doing what he's doing, he's going to be in New York for the Heisman, man. I don't know if he's going to win it. But if he stays healthy, bro, it's going to be hard to keep him out of New York. What were those Heisman odds you, you tweeted, Dan? Yeah, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, the start of the season, Anthony Richardson uh, ranked 10th um, in Heisman odds. He was tied for 10th at plus 4,000 uh, to win, which means if you bet $100 and Anthony Richardson won the Heisman, uh, you would win $4,000. Uh, he is now plus 1,400, which moves him from tied from 10th to tie the fourth. Um, he's behind uh, CJ Stroud and uh, and Bryce Young, two guys that are, you know, obviously running away with the odds, you know, up till now. Uh, and then Will Anderson from Alabama, the defensive lineman. So uh, incredible company to be amongst. And, you know, certainly I think that there was a lot of, um, you know, interest in, in watching Anthony Richardson, obviously a guy that a lot of people in the media had talked about. A lot of people didn't give him, you know, a lot of credit because they just weren't sure. Right, they weren't sure who mm-hmm. he would be. Um, they saw glimpses of it against USF in a couple games last year, you know. But ultimately, against Georgia, probably you know doesn't have the game that people want to see and say, "Hey, maybe this isn't a guy that we're going to give you know those honors, you know, that second or third team, you know, All SEC, uh, or you know, put him on some of these watch lists." Well, now he's all of a sudden catapulted well above where you know a lot of the other peers that were you know expected to, to have better seasons than him. Um, and I think that Anthony Richardson is showing you that he has all of the the tools and everything else. Now it's a matter of putting it all together. And if he can have and continue to have games like he did on Saturday, he's definitely a guy that will be in New York City and will be a guy that will get drafted in the first round next year. He's not perfect, but this is a hell of an improvement from last year, from any game last year. Yeah. It, um. I mean, well, last year was a setup. <laughs> bro, bro, the Georgia game. The Georgia game is a setup. That was Dan yeah. Mullen being like, "I am sick and tired of you guys asking for this kid. I'm going to put him up in his first ever start against the best defense ever assembled in college football, just so I can tell you. See, told you I was the smartest guy in the room, and you guys are but wrong. If a guy, if a guy has that energy, you damn sure know he's a uh, play caller with the same energy. You, you setting the kid up for failure. Uh, yeah. I think Dan Mullen will never have a a, a, a top job. Uh, I don't even know if in like the SEC or Big 12. I think any job he gets in the future is going to be bottom tier because the rest of the country know he quit on this team last year. And Emory Jones should have been nowhere sniffing the quarterback position and starting over this kid, man. Um, oh, so, like, I, anybody that was looking at last year for this kid, I mean, you can take the bright spots because he's improvising and making shit work last year when jumping over people and all the other shit. But if you took that – what Dan Mullen was doing with that kid last year is any indictment of 
his future this year, like people was just lost in the sauce. Like the potential was there. This kid runs a four three forty. Got the biggest arm probably in college football. I don't think as many people got a stronger arm than him. Um, the physical attributes mm-hmm. is there, and the mental part of the game is there as far as like confidence. Uh, Emory lacked a lot of confidence, man. We've had some good quarterbacks that came here. Felipe Franks, confident on Twitter and off the field, but when it, when the ball got snapped, those guys, regardless their their star ratings, they were never confident. Uh, this kid exudes confidence, bro. Uh, every if you yeah. ever been around him, you know it. You feel it. You feel a different type of energy when he walks in the room, and uh, he gonna walk into Kentucky and they gonna feel the energy as well, man. And most of this shit on our schedule, Nick. Uh, you might want to rehash your stuff, man. I got us beating most of these teams, man, including LSU. That's food. <laughs> bro. bro. Oh, man. Hey, bro. Silk, be- Our- be- Nick, before you do that, uh, Silk, go ahead and give us a quick Gramco ad read. Shout out to the great folks at Gramco, man. I forgot. I forgot we had to do an ad read. Uh, big win, man, in the Gainesville. So, uh, shout out to the great folks at Gramco. Be sure to use the coupon code SG25 for 25% off of all Gramco products. Uh, we have the gummies coming in and flavors of blue raspberry, watermelon, and fruit punch. We have pre-rolls. Uh, also, we have the hard candy, which is, comes in a tropical orange flavor, similar to a Jolly Rancher. Uh, also, we have a concentrate powder. It's flavorless, tasteless. You can put it on anything. Mixes very well with food, liquids. Uh, like I said, be sure to use coupon code SG25 for 25% off of all Gram Code THC. Delta 8 products. All of this is federally legal to your mailbox, man. Uh, in discreet packaging. Must be 21 years older to purchase. Let's ride. Um, let's see. Uh, we did have some buy or sell. We're going to bounce around this topic a little bit, uh, around the game a little bit, leading up to our – Real quick, game. man. Real quick. Right. I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, shout out to Ben, man. Ben was up yep. here kicking it. Uh, Ben's on his 60 – Game college football tour. Uh, he does our graphics for buy or sell. Uh, just dope dude, man. We had a good time. He sat with me and my brother at the football game last night, man. So shout out oh, to Ben. Oh, is that who you were with? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw the, uh, I saw the video. My guy, buy or sell, Ben. Buy You're or sell, to 60. Ben. You're getting to sixty, Ben. I believe. All right, let's let's run through this buy or sell. Shout out to our buddy Ben G Chase. Creates the graphic every week from the episode. I'm with Slick. Uh, buy or sell the Gators beat Utah both Silk and Dan win Nick uh, you go with Gators losing um, unfortunately everybody on the internet now knows that negative Nick came uh, zero points for Nick one point for the good guys each uh, Anthony Richardson throws for 225 yards or more Silk you buy that uh, Dan and Nick sold uh, he did not uh, had a good overall uh, passing performance, but ultimately does not throw uh, for uh, only goes for 168 yards, but goes 17 for 24. Uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Gators run for 250 yards or more. Um, all three of us buy, all three of us win that one. Gators get more than 1.5 turnovers. We all bought that. Uh, it is a sell. Uh, the Gators only ended up with one uh, turnover. That was the interception. I believe the other one was a, a turnover on downs rather than a fumble. Yeah. That's my understanding. Right, Nick? Hey, mark yes. me down. My, mine count, man. Turnover downs count. They don't count? No? I, uh, you know, it, then we all win. We either all lose or we all win. So I like to I'm win. down for always winning because That's the Gators won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Perfect. We all won that one. Uh, Gervon Dexter gets more than one and a half sacks. I buy that. He does not. 
Uh, Nick and uh, Silk get points there. And then Ricky Pearsall leads the team in receiving yards. Dan and Silk bought. They were right. Nick was wrong. Uh, Nick, what, was I, what, was I, what was I doing? I've literally talked about how he's the eight. only receiver in the room. And I was just right. being hating ass, grumpy That's ass right. Nick. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, grumpy I, ass, as, far as, with, as far as with self-accountability, Nick. Yeah, I need to look in the mirror. I need to look at my. I need to look in the mirror and uh, first out of recovery. We're gonna reevaluate. Next question. Um, I think that was it. So, uh, resounding victory by me. I think that <laughs> I have one more, um, but maybe I don't. I got to redo the math. Nope. Uh, Silk and I are tied, uh, and Nick, you are in uh, a distant third place there. Um, so, with that being said, we will do a buy or sell segment after Adam jumps on. Uh, we've got a couple minutes before he joins Nick. Do you want to uh, quickly give us your thoughts on the defense? Yeah. Um, I uh, I think you saw the blueprint, and, and every team that played Florida saw the blueprint. Um, you can, you're going to be – I think you're going to be able to run the ball. Florida's going to have to make some adjustments. They're going to have to develop some guys. They're going to have to find some guys um, to, to give Florida depth, that defensive tackle. Shout out to Tyreek Sapp. I think he played he played like two snaps at nose tackle over the center. Um, he played the three. He played the four. He played all over the defensive line. Um, <clears throat> didn't know that he would do that, um, but I thought he was a difference maker. Um, and then you're going to see crosses and drags, and people are going to make Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie and Florida's linebackers cover. And until they stop it, teams are going to – try to exploit Florida's linebackers not being able to cover. Um, other than that, the the defense, when they got down into the red area, that's when it's hard to do those things. And I think that's why Florida was really successful in the red zone because you don't have that space to, to get a slot receiver, to get a tight end loose um, when you have less, you know, less yard to work with down in the red zone. So I think that's why Florida's defense um, excelled there. Also, I mean, this team – this team played really, really tough, really, really hard. And maybe I just forgot what that looked like after Dan Mullen quit on them and, and, yeah. and they kind of packed it up at the end of the year. But uh, it, it was refreshing to see um, just like that tenacity, uh, especially down there, uh, you know, in, in the red area. Yeah. So, um, Silk, what are your thoughts on the defense? Any Anything, anybody that stuck out to you? Uh yeah, Desmond Watson, man. I think he he performed better than we all thought he would. Yeah, and if he's going up this fall, I think that's gonna make our defense line a lot better than I thought, especially in the interior defense line. So Desmond Watson, uh, Watson definitely had a, a big game, just stuffing the run, man, eating up blockers, doing what he had to do with in space, eating up space. Uh, Shamar James, man, played a lot as yep. a true freshman. You know, shout out to Bernie, he did his thing with the interception at the end, but uh, just was a lot to be desired from him. Uh, watching that game, so to see Shamar James out there running around making some plays, and also Devin Moore made a key tackle uh, in, yeah. in the second half. That was pretty uh, good football. Seeing the young boys, yeah, kept, kept the guy, kept in, the guy in bounds, squared up. Um, I'll eat some crow on this. I said, I, I said, I think like I was like, what can Des Watson? Is he gonna be able to play more than seven plays? Play twenty eight. Um, did his thing, bro. Um, so shout out to him. I, I still think I'd like to see him uh, lose a little bit of weight, but my God. My guys, my guys playing at four, four thirty nine. Is a biscuit away from four forty and and playing thirty snaps. And it was hot. It was humid. Um, so shout out to him. He's in better shape than I am. 
Yeah, no, uh, you know, great, uh, great performance. I thought overall by the defense, um, definitely some, some missed assignments, some, some missed opportunities that we saw out there, especially from kind of the, the same names. And I'm not going to rehash, you know, those, but, but in safety and linebacker, but I thought overall, especially for the first game against the, against the good team, right? I mean, Florida ends up with a victory, but Utah is going to be a, an easy nine, you know, win team this year. In my opinion, they're a good team and they've got some, uh, some players that are going to make you miss. And, and, uh, and force you to to cover and, and make plays uh, in open field. And I thought that the Gators did a really good job uh, there. I know Adam is waiting, but I do want to get uh, one quick thought from John Wilcox, who asked, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. It obviously worked really well for them. Uh, but, Nick, want to get your thoughts and soak your thoughts on uh, Billy Napier running the clock and taking that timeout uh, when they're down at the red zone right before they score. Um you know, if Utah had those those 40 seconds, they would have had more options to run at the end of the game. Yep. I mean, totally true, but uh, definitely a, a question that uh, the announcers were talking about kind of ad nauseum during that time. Do you take that timeout? What were your thoughts on game management as a whole? And then we'll get to Adam. I'm not I'm not mad. Go ahead, Nick. You got it. Um, that That's kind of what I was talking about, about Billy's identity. Um, mm-hmm. That's That's the kind of, aggressiveness he's going to have. And, and when he first did, I was like, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? I go, Oh, you haven't stopped a run all fourth quarter. Right. You're, you're taking your shot. Now you're saying, listen, we're not, we're not going to call a timeout and, and waste it here or, you know, call a timeout to, to save some clock and, and, and try to get it's like, Hey, we're, we're going to run the clock because we are scoring on this drive. And that was his mentality. We're going to get in the end zone. Um, so let's take some time. So let's take some time off the clock. And listen, it worked. So we we can talk about it positively. Uh, it might not always work, but that is going to be how Billy Napier manages games. Um, and it's just the confidence in. I've, I I trust my offense. We have a plan, and, and we're going to roll with it. So I, I I didn't understand it at first. I'm like ah, but you haven't stopped him. So I, in my mind, it kind of made sense. Like hey, we are. We are rolling the dice on this and betting on ourselves in this moment. So yeah. any additional thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't – we were talking about the timeout, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wasn't mad at the timeout, man. It's just an important time, time of the game. Uh, keeping the clock running wasn't that big of a – they was they was damn near about to score. I don't think time actually was going to be a thing. Keeping them out of the end zone, I think, was the most important thing. And calling the timeout, getting the, the defense – uh, mentally on the same page, getting the right personnel in, uh, going over a few things. Uh, just, I think that's that was key. Um, I'm not mad at the time management. I did expect some Billy blunders, uh, coaching wise, with time management or some decision making. Um, that's maybe some questionable calls that I didn't like on third downs and things like that. But um, overall, man, um, him versus Kyle Winningham in that situation, he's about a veteran coach that a lot of people had respect for, and a lot of people gave them the upper hand because of Kyle being a, a veteran coach like that. And I thought Billy held his own, man. More than held his own, he won. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's get uh, to our guest this week. It is sponsored by our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Visit them, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale, all one word. Uh, best vintage T-shirts in the game for the University of Florida and about 65 other <laughs> colleges and universities all around the country. Check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Promo code Stadium and Gale for 15% off. Adam Luckett, we appreciate your time. Kentucky beat writer. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Dan, Nick, thanks for having me. Happy Labor Day. Hey, Happy Labor hey. Day to you as well. 
you ever forget holidays, Adam? Like, we, like we just we, like <laughs> my friends were like, "Oh, it's yeah. Labor Day." Say, I'm like, "What? There's a holiday Monday? We're at press conferences." <laughs> yeah, uh, wife's a teacher, so I'll usually stay on those. But that's about the only reason. Like, I yeah, I'm in my own little world. So Labor, what Labor Day? What's Labor Day? Yeah, and all yeah. and all that stuff throughout the year, no doubt, no doubt. We are we are laboring on Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, we are as much as watching sports and talking about sports is uh, is labor. Absolutely. Well, uh, Adam, want to get your thoughts? Uh, Kentucky is one and zero, beating Miami, Ohio last week uh, by a score of I just had it. What was it? it was 37, 37 to thirteen. Uh, uh, Kentucky beats Miami, Ohio. Um, obviously, big game this week against the Gators. Uh, Adam, but to talk to us a little bit about what you guys saw in the first game. Was it kind of what you expected at Kentucky? Obviously, replacing a lot, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball uh, this season. And I saw that Mark Stoops also becomes Kentucky's all-time winningest coach with that victory on Saturday. But uh, how did the game go on Saturday? And was it kind of what fans and, and uh, media expected? Uh, yes and no. I think they they handled their business here. I think number one, people wanted to see what. Will Levis, I'm like heard about Will Levis all off season. Want to see what what this is? What does he take the next step? And he he looked like a NFL quarterback. I think would be a safe assumption on Saturday. Was in control of the offense, made throws multiple levels, got got the ball out quick, was on time. He had one interception, but it was on a fourth down, and it was kind of a timing pass, and it was a bad snap, so it kind of messed everything up. But other than that, he was in full control of the offense, and I think. That was good to see. Um, on the other side of the ball, Kentucky's defense was kind of hyped up by the coaching staff throughout camp, and then they brought they bring back a lot on defense. Um, they lost some key some key pieces, but they've got three or four super senior starters. Um, they've got a couple of freshmen that they're they're really really high on. So there was a lot of buzz for that defense. Um, they gave up a first possession touchdown on a scripted drive, but other than that, they kept Miami Ohio in check. Gave up six points over the next nine possessions. So defense checked some boxes. Offense checked boxes with Levis particularly and these young receivers that people have heard about and Tavian Robinson coming in for Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Those guys looked apart. The uh, they got open, created separation, made plays with the balls in their with the ball in their hands. Now the big issue was the offensive line. The offensive line was not good on Saturday. Um, they really struggled in both the run game and in pass protection. Um, they could not open running lanes. Um, left tackle specifically was kind of a turnstile there in pass protection. They're already making a change there at left tackle going into week two. They're sliding oh, wow. Kenneth Horsey, who's a redshirt senior, three-year starter at left guard. They're kicking him out to left tackle. So they they have some issues there on the offensive line, which is really kind of not something we've seen at Kentucky. Um, under Mark Stoops, they've been built from that offensive line. That has been the one constant they've had. And now – and the the one thing they didn't have was a quarterback, so they've got a quarterback now. And now that now the offensive line is maybe an issue, so that's something we're just going to have to see if they can fix um, over these next few weeks. But overall, the it, I think the opener went went to plan. Other than the kind of the surprise was the offensive line um, had some issues that it needs to figure out figure out quick. Um, Adam, with that being said, uh, Brenton Cox was just named the SEC defensive. Uh, lineman of the week, um, obviously a guy that's a, a big bull rusher is a guy that's going to try to attack, you know, either the right side or the left side there. Um, what is Kentucky's, uh, you know, I know that you said they're making a change at left tackle, but, um, you know, outside of that, the strength of their offensive line, is it anywhere compared to another? Or are they all just kind of struggling and figuring out how to, 
Well, in the year, guard. they felt really good guard center guard. Now, Horsey mm. was part of that, and now he's not playing guard anymore. Um, mm. Eli Cox was a right guard last year. They really liked what they got from him. They're sliding him to center. That's something Kentucky's had a lot of success with. They've, they've moved guards to center. Um, Luke Fortner last year, he's on the Jaguars now. He's probably going to start at center for the Jaguars. Um, so that's something they've had success with. And they added Auburn transfer Tayshawn Manning at right guard. That They feel good about him. Um, and then Jagger Burton's a red shirt freshman. He was a top 150 recruit out of Lexington. That was a big mm-hmm. recruiting win. Um, so I still think they feel good about guard. Nick, Mark Stoops told us today that Jagger graded out really well for them. He had a couple um, plays that fans noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, he that they, they thought he played really well for his first start. So I think they feel good guard center guard interior. The question has been with tackle all offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Flax is out at right tackle. He's a former junior college transfer. It's actually his third year in the program, so he's been here a while. Um, it's just been kind of a slow build to get him ready to play. He he held up well on Saturday, so that was a good sign. And then it's just the left tackle that, that they're still worried about. So when you're looking at strength for Kentucky, really should be that interior three. And then the big questions are there on the edge at tackle. Mm. Now, uh, it's uh, probably uh, – you you guys probably have the, the same questions that, that I have um, – I heard Mark Stoops today said that he doesn't have anything regarding the status of Chris Rodriguez. Right. How how much – and I'm guessing he won't play because Stoops said it's out of his hands, but how much is that hampering Kentucky's offense? Oh, it's uh, it's pretty pretty big. Uh, number one here, they added an FCS transfer, Ramon Jefferson. Mm-hmm. He was an All-American for Sam Houston State. He's committed to Colorado, backed out of that commitment. Came down to Kentucky, Tennessee. Kentucky landed him. He was kind of the insurance policy for Chris Rodriguez, at least to me. Uh, he plays two snaps on Saturday, hurts his knee, and he's out for an extended period of time, we were told today. Um, so that 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 hurts. And then another running back got hurt last week. So you add all that on top of that. They, Kentucky's coming down here with three scholarship running backs right now without Rodriguez. So that that is a big deal. And you just look at uh, – Rodriguez has been – he is not the most explosive rusher. He's not going to rip off 70-yard gains out of nowhere, but he's going to fall forward. He's going to find find cracks, and he's going to get six yards when maybe two yards are there. He's going to get four yards when it should be a TFL. Um, he's great at keeping Kentucky ahead of the chains, and part of their big success last year on offense was they were in second four a lot. They were in third and two. So they ranked in the top ten in third down efficiency. A lot of that was they had a lot of third and twos, third and threes. They were – Top five, I think, in red zone touchdown rate. Why? Because they get ha- hammer the ball down there with Rodriguez, and he could keep them ahead of the chains. So that's really the concern there with the running. If they get behind chains more than they're comfortable, that's putting, you know, you have a lot of faith in your quarterback. But if you got tackle issues, that's a, that's a big deal. If you're in third and eight, yeah, obvious passing downs a lot. So that that's a concern, and they they just. He's just really good. I mean, he was one of their better players. I mean, they just sure. they just miss having him. He was a safety blanket because they knew what they, they would get from him. Now, fumbles were an issue for him last year, but if you just – you know, that's a big issue. But if you take that out, he was one of – I think one of the better running backs in the country. So, that's 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 a pretty big loss. Not only for Kentucky, it would be a big loss for anybody. Hey, hey Adam, uh, you say you like uh, the interior defensive line more than uh, the tackles, of course. Uh, what do you, How do you feel – your interior defensive line matchup with Gravon Dexter and uh, Desmond Watson. Yeah, I mean the, that's that's a big question. I think 
that's a lot of that's a lot of size right there. What Watson's over four hundred pounds. It's a lot of beef. He is. Uh, he is a a, a, a big a lunch away from four forty. Right. Right. Um, and then Dexter's got you know he's played a lot in this league. He's it seems like this good has been really 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 good. Yeah. Um, so that's a concern for Kentucky going in. I think they should be, they should be able to hold up in there, but. You know, this is a it's a brand new group, and it's a third offensive line coach in three years. Oh well, there's just there's a lot going on here. You got a lot of new pieces. Like to start the game against Miami, Ohio, they had essentially five new starters because Eli Cox was playing center. Horsey actually got injured in camp, didn't really participate a lot in camp, um, but they let him play on Saturday. Now he seems like he's full healthy, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then Tayshawn Manning had injuries in camp. Jeremy Flax had injuries in camp. Like they had a lot of stuff here with the offensive line. On top of a new coach, on top of an offensive coordinator, on top of you know having a tackle situation that was a little iffy. And so it's it's just some they they they're just that's the biggest issue with facing this team right now. It's figuring out what they need to do at offensive line to to protect the quarterback and to generate run game because because Kentucky's offense is really I mean it's a pro style offense. They want to run the ball. They want to use play action. That's the marriage of the run and the pass, that's that's what everything's based off of. And if they can't run the ball, we just we've never really seen them really go pass heavy like they would have to. Um, so on paper, I think Kentucky could hold their own against those guys, but there's a lot going on. So we, yeah. we just have to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's really where Bart Stoops has found success at Kentucky is you and we talked about it a little bit earlier. I think Billy Napier is trying to do that. He has recruit. He has a uh, a program, and he's going to recruit to that, and he's going to develop to that. And Kentucky's going to be big. They're going to be physical. You're going to run the football, and and you know, uh, and you're going to try to impose your will. And I think that's where Kentucky and and has found success right. in in Stoops' tenure. And I think he's beaten Florida more than like the previous six coaches combined. So the re- the recipe is working. Well, yeah, I mean they won like 21, 20, what, 30 years in a row, twenty eight years in Dan, a row. Dan, so, don't explain it. Yeah, it sounded yeah, way yeah. better without oh, yeah, your explanation, right. Dan. Thank That's you. True. It's a good point. Let me uh, spin uh, my narrative. <laughs> Adam, I want to ask you. Um, I guess while you were talking, uh, Anthony Richardson was named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week uh, for the Gators' twenty nine to twenty six win over Utah. Um, want to talk a little bit about defense? Um, hard to to learn a lot from statistics when you're playing Miami, um, just because you know numbers, especially when you look at the finality of numbers. You know, towards the end of a game where you guys are are winning pretty decisively, they can add up quickly. But talk to us a little bit uh, about the the Kentucky defense from. Uh, from Saturday, they end up giving up uh, 290 total yards, uh, 13 total points against Miami. Was the defense kind of what was anticipated, or still, you know, too too little to glean from from a game? Yeah, I like think the Miami? defense I, they passed the first test. It wasn't a huge test, yeah. but they passed it. Um, I think they passed it with relative ease. The secondary was a concern for Kentucky heading into the year. Uh, the past defense, if you look at Kentucky's three losses last year, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Georgia, they just got shredded um, in the past game. And that was the big emphasis for the staff was we've got to shore up this secondary. Um, they added a transfer in Keegan Smith from Ole Miss. And then they've kind of just – they're using their recruit and develop blueprint blueprint, excuse me, for the rest. Um, Carrington Valentine's a junior that – the staff talked up. He had a good game outside of cornerback 
everyone was kind of in the right spot. Pass rush got enough pressure on on a quarterback. And Kentucky played, but it's important to remember Kentucky plays like a, like a scheme. Like they they're a heavy zone heavy defense. They're not giving up big plays. They're just not. They're just that's what they do. They've ranked in the top 10, 15, whatever since Brad White's been calling plays here in, in 2018. Um, they're gonna get too high. They're gonna play a lot of deep three deep structures, and they're gonna make defense our offenses dink and duck the way their way down the field. Um, and so a lot of that comes down to, you know, how good are you in like third and three, third and four, because there's going to be a lot of those situations. Um, and I think they passed that test mainly because they stopped the run uh, very well against Miami, Ohio. Um, so that's what you want to see, but it's a different challenge going up against, uh, you know, an SEC offensive line an SEC offense an SEC quarterback like this, who can, you know, you get that extra hat in the run game with Richardson when he wants to run the ball. So it's a different challenge here. Um, but Kentucky, they feel very good about their defense. They're legit two deep at every defensive line position, possibly even three deep. Their linebackers, Jacquez Jones, DeAndre Square, both super seniors, have played a lot of football, both good players. Um, they're not the most talented guys, but they've just seen so much. They're just very instinctive. They they know where everything's happening, and they get the guys around them lined up. And then behind them, um, Trevor Wallace was a former top 100 recruit that they're really high on as a sophomore. Um, then on the edge, they got two guys, J.J. Weaver and Jordan Wright. I think both could be NFL draft picks at the end of this year. Wright's another guy who's kind of in this little suspension thing with Chris. He did not play last week. Um, we were expecting him to be available this week. He was not on the depth chart today that we got from Kentucky. Hmm. We asked Mark Stoops about it. He kind of, you know, he danced around the answer a little bit. Um, so there, there was thought that he could play Very Saturday, good. thought that he couldn't play. So – <laughs> that's that's kind of where we're at with him, but um, at them at their best is they they have a good front seven. They think they can stop the run, and they think they can generate pressure without blitzing, which is really how the, a defense like Kentucky plays. How it's going to work? Um, a lot of that is Weaver and Wright being able to play together. They're on the edge, um, so if they didn't have Wright, that that would that would be a big deal. But overall, it's a structurally sound defense. They're not going to hurt themselves teams are going to have to earn points against them. They typically don't give up cheap scores. And so far it's looking like that they could stick to that model and they've got a chance to be maybe a little bit better because I think their front, they've got more depth and a little bit more playmaking in that front, which is going to allow them to create more plays and get teams in more advantageous down and distance situations. I think losing you. Yeah, he, uh, our third our third co-host is on iPhone yeah, right now. Um, go ahead, Nick. Where are you going to ask him? Um, Florida last year. Um, I it, it was a scene last year in Lexington. Um, the with, with the fans getting on the field. Um, it's something that uh, one player today said that that Florida took personally. Um, this game obviously I think was big for Kentucky fans during, you know, the losing streak, where does Kentucky um, as a team and the fan base now feel um, coming into this game and, and feel about a rivalry, I guess, with Florida. And, and, you know, normally Florida starts like with Tennessee to kick off SEC play, but that whoever wins this game is in the driver's seat in the East. Yeah. I mean, Georgia, or Georgia comes to Lexington on November 19th. Right. And that is being talked about as potentially being the biggest game in Kentucky football history. 
lot of that is they think that, you know, Kentucky's played essentially Georgia for the East twice. 2018, they hosted in November. It was the de facto championship. And then last year, both teams were undefeated in the middle of October. Um, that, that, that was the game that kind of decided the East. Um, so Kentucky fans, and I think the program in general, want that game. And, like, they want that to be for that. To get there, you have to be Florida. they don't have to win at Florida, but it, it eliminates all wiggle room, right? So right. It's, a, it's a huge game from that, from that standpoint. They have not hidden from the fact that that is the next goal for the program. The next goal is to win the division. And so to win the division, you've got to beat, you know, Florida and Tennessee more consistently than the program's ever done just to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of confidence um, with the team going down there. Um, even, you know, they've won two of, what, four, but the series overall, it's been a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been a couple Florida blowouts sprinkled in there, but there's been a lot of like last second Florida wins too. Um, and then Kentucky got the last, he's gotten a couple last second wins as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of confidence and it's like, it's still a huge game for the family. You mentioned last year, that was, it was one of the bigger moments of the Stoops era because Kentucky really hadn't had that big home win under him yet. They, all their big wins had kind of been on the road and it was kind of weird that it had shooken out that way. So there was a lot of hype for like, we finally need to get, get a, get a home win. And you felt like that was the time to do it, and it just all kind of culminated to, to to that scene. Adam, I remember seeing the the security guards, like the, the the cops, the officers, and I'm like, "There's a lot of them, but there's no way they're right. keeping these fans off the field if they win." And then I just watched all the officers, just like the fans start coming out, and they just like just turned. They're like, "No, go ahead." And like, yeah. Not not stopping you guys. Yeah, because I mean the streak ended right, but it wasn't at home, so it wasn't right. really the same. And then they came back the year after, and they lost in kind of demoralizing fashion there in 2019. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot like they wanted to, like the fans wanted to see it happen at home. And Kentucky got off to that hot start, it built up a lot of momentum and momentum, and then you saw you saw what you saw. And I think for this year, I think there's a lot of motivation for Kentucky. They want to prove they can beat Florida like two years in a row. I think that's what they want to prove that they can like consistently beat Florida. And and we've mentioned, you know, the the division implications here. It's a huge game for I think both sides. I mean, it's so I mean it's so early in the season, but it's still, you know, for Florida like to stay in the hunt and right to go to the cocktail party and have that Georgia game really be for maybe the division, they have to beat Kentucky at home. And I think yeah. the, the shoes on Kentucky's foot as well. I think both kind of a battle in Long Tennessee to get in that driver's seat for that number two position. So when all of those three teams play Georgia, they're going to have more than the other, other two. And, but to do that, you got to win, win these games. Absolutely. Adam, well, let's get you out uh, with some predictions on this game. Do you have a. Uh, Abby, can I get one more question, real quick? Yeah, yeah go, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Am I, am I dragging or not? I'm not dragging. No, you're good. You're good. Hey, real, real quick, Adam, I think uh, for you guys to have success on defense with AR, you're either going to have to keep him in the pocket or have a quarterback spy on him. Um, what, what, what guy on your defense uh, would you guys possibly have quarterback spying him? What you think their uh, strategy would be on defense would contain the AR? Yeah, I mean, that that could go on the spy. It could They could put a guy like Trevin Wallace, who's real athletic as a linebacker. He could be that guy. Um, I could see them – Going to kind of a sub package, three three five type look, and have that fifth defensive back. Um, right now, it's a true freshman, Alex Safari, who he's a young player they really really like. I could see him. 
uh, him doing that. Um, but I think Kentucky in general, if if you're running a spy type defense, you, you sometimes you got to get in man, and that's really not what Kentucky wants to do. They're going to get in their zone and they're going to rally to the football. And so, and part of getting that zone is having a disciplined rush and keeping him in the pocket. I think for them, they're more worried about keeping him playing within structure and not letting him get out off script and make make plays. And they're willing to take their chances with him. And if he runs QB run, but we'll just try to absorb it with our front and make plays. But Kentucky in general is just going to be a, a zone defense. They're going to play deep coverage and they're kind of going to try to keep everything in front. And it's going to be, can they get 15 to the ground? That's the more important question. Like they're going to have bodies around Richardson when he runs. It's just, can they get him on the ground? He is a large human being. Yes, he is. Um, And that's why I get paid the big bucks to to write about football. That's my analysis. (laughs) Uh, Adam, want to get your predictions uh, before we let you go. And thank you so much for the time. Um, Do you have a score prediction for this one or? I do not yet. I haven't really dove that deep into the matchup. Preseason, I I had Kentucky winning here. Now, part of that was Florida, new regime. Chris, I thought Chris Rodriguez, the running game would be, especially with some of the rebuilding on Florida's defensive line. I thought that would be a matchup advantage for Kentucky. And then I thought Levis and Richardson maybe balance each other out, but it would be the Rodriguez factor in Kentucky's efficiency running the ball would maybe give them an edge here. That edge isn't really there anymore. And so what I foresee happening right now is I think both defenses, I think, probably going to do a good job of eliminating explosive plays, giving up maybe some dink and duck stuff down the field. So really where I see this game being won is like inside the opponent's 40. Like whoever does the best job finishing drives is probably going to win the game. And so whoever can be more efficient there right now, I'd probably lean Florida because Richardson is just – he's like a cheat code in the red zone, right, with some, with the mm-hmm. quarterback run stuff you can do. And Kentucky doesn't really – like they don't have a running game to depend on in the red zone. And so I – from that aspect, I would probably lean to Florida early here. Okay, perfect. Well, Adam, thank you so much for your time today. If you could let everybody know where to follow you on social media, I definitely appreciate your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Follow me, Adam Luckett, KSR, on Twitter, and then Kentucky Sports Radio. You'll find all our coverage of the Kentucky Wildcats, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. I'll thank see you, you so in, much, uh, Gainesville Saturday, Adam. All right, Nick, I'll look you up. Thanks, man. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks so much, Adam. Adam Luckett, uh, obviously great information. Uh, Kentucky obviously being without uh, their top couple of running backs is a, is a big dire to Kentucky. I think that that Will Levis is a, is a good quarterback, but I do, um, you know, I think that the way Florida played and then just watching a little bit of what I saw uh, about Kentucky in their game, uh, watching some stuff on YouTube this morning, um, I like I like Florida. Um, I think that they're going to be a little bit more physical than them. I think they'll be able to gash their defense. Um, and then certainly them being out one of the best running backs in the SEC um, is certainly uh, advantageous for the Gators. Nick, what are your thoughts going into this game? Yeah, that um, what Adam said with the passing defense, uh, I'm going to go back and look at those 2021 losses. Um, that's not Florida's strength, and, and Billy's mm-hmm. not going to, you know, cut off his nose to spite his face. Um, Florida's going to run the ball. I think it, it really is um, – it almost seems like he like Kentucky plays like an umbrella defense. And it's like keep it in front of you, and then everyone you know swarm to the ball. Um, Florida's not an offense that's going to. They don't have a guy that's going to you know blow the top off the defense. Um, or at least we haven't seen it seen it yet. So um, I I think I give Florida the advantage. Um, I think I give Florida the advantage in the running game. 
because of Anthony Richardson. <laughs> and and I'm going to sound like a broken record all year um, mm-hmm. because Anthony Richardson will keep Florida in just about every game this <laughs> this season. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think I had Florida going nine and three this year. I still think I'm I'm going to stay on that. I don't want to think that Florida is going to be uh, perfect from here on out. I don't think that this win against Utah for me changed a ton about the outlook. I still think that there's obviously big areas of opportunity to improve. But man, I'll tell you what I saw about this team on on Saturday that I love to see. It. I saw a lot of intensity. I saw a lot of uh, players seemingly knowing where to be, when to be there. I saw a lot of excitement um, from the coaching staff. I saw it from the players. I saw a lot of camaraderie. It seems like this team is excited to play football. Obviously, it was a huge first game, uh, you know, back to start the season. But just everything about from Napier's attitude on the sideline, you know, big smile to uh, Anthony Richardson and, and everybody on the team being, you know, together and I, I just saw a level of excitement around the team that I, I think has been missing. We talked about that, you know, a lot last year. So um, I think this team is going to consistently get better. Uh, and I love my, mm-hmm. my nine and three prediction right now, Nick, you got to be shaking on your boots at seven and five right now. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't, th- it doesn't look like I'll be repeating as buyer sell champion. You didn't win last year, bro. Well, like, uh, you, uh, show me the receipts. I was with Ben this weekend. He told me low key he think I won. Show me the receipts. Ben was sucking up to you because you were in, you were there. He was you were in front of him. No, I was just in line. Ben never said any of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's egregious. It. Just an egregious lie. We are getting uh, to the end of our show here. We need to get some uh, get some love out. Uh, so I'm going to do back back ad reads here. Shout out to our friends over at Alumni Hall. Visit them. Uh, in Gainesville on Archer Road or visit them at alumnihall.com. Uh, if you're looking for really anything from, from polos to wear to the game or bags to take into the stadium, uh, things for yourself, things for your, your family, Alumni Hall does have the best selection of Gator gear on the internet and in Gainesville. So go visit them on Archer Road or if you uh, aren't able to make it up to Gainesville, go check them out. They're constantly refreshing and resupplying their store online. Uh, so I know that a, a bunch of you reached out about that Peter Millar polo that we put out a couple weeks ago. That one is uh, going to be back in stock but sold out. So make sure you're checking it early and checking often. So alumnihall.com and trueclassictees.com. That's true, classic, and then T-E-E-S.com forward slash SG25. will give you 25% off of polos, workout shirts, uh, nice crew neck shirts, uh, looser crew neck shirts as well. Uh, go visit them, trueclassictees.com. Incredible fabric, great quality. Um, Nick, I know you have a shirt. I've got uh, a shirt from them. Uh, really great stuff. Again, trueclassictees.com forward slash SG25 for 25% off of your order. Uh, let's do a quick buy or sell segment. Uh, Silk, do we have you? I am here, logged and loaded, man, on the, on the crappy I-10, but I'm here. Let's go. All right, so Gators win, buy or sell. I'm going to go buy. Make it rain, man. Rain, man, buy. Perfect. Uh, Montreal Johnson leads all running backs in rushing attempts. Uh, I buy attempts. Buying. 
I'm going to ah, all running backs or all players. I think AR all running backs, all running. Backs. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm going to buy that uh, as well. Uh, Gators throw. Uh, do not end up with a rushing touch or a throwing touchdown uh, against uh, against Utah. But will the Gators throw for two or more passing touchdowns against Kentucky? Bye. So. All right, I'm going to buy. I think the Gators are due. Uh, I think that they could move the ball very well against Kentucky. I already, uh, I already feel bad about that, Dan. Yeah, the Gators force two or more turnovers. So, uh, I'm buying it just because uh, their running game is a, is in shambles. They got, I think they got three running backs hurt. They only coming with two guys. Um, the offense line hasn't been that great. I think they have to drop back and pass a bunch. There's going to be a lot of opportunities there. Uh, give me, give me uh, some strip sacks, man. Um, I'll I like take it. That. I- so can you change my mind? I'm going to buy that as well. Uh, and then the Gators only end up with one te- or, uh, one catch by a tight end. Uh, that was a uh, catch by Keon Zipper, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Um, but will the Gators have three or more catches by tight ends on Saturday? No, sell. Sell. Yeah, I'll sell that. Even though we had some tight ends running wide open, I thought, this game, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I am going to sell it just because um, – it's just not a staple in this offense, so I don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for tight ends. So Nick buys the first two sells, the last three. Silk buys the first four sells, the last one, and then I'm going to buy all five. Easy for Ben uh, to make his uh, graphic, and we will see how we go. Again, right now, Silk and Dan have a commanding multi-point lead over negative Nicholas on the show. Um, boys, any final thoughts before we head on out of here? It was um it was a really really cool environment um and, and I'm expecting another one so uh, Dan I know you're uh, an island boy um uh, but I'm an island boy but Just still, trying to might make be it. might be worth a drive up to Gainesville few tickets are remaining very good so thank you yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he might be might be muted and doesn't even realize it. No, I, uh, incredible job. I want to say a couple quick shout-outs. Uh, incredible job by the fans, uh, the fan base, um, both alumni and students. Uh, seemingly the crowd looked incredible. Um, congratulations to Sean Kelly, uh, the new uh, play-by-play uh, guy for the Gators. Uh, incredible job. I, th- I really liked his speaking style and cadence. I like the way that, that he talked about the game. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to continuing to hear uh, him grow uh, as the voice of the Gators as well. Um, and then certainly incredible job by the staff. Great job by uh, Billy Napier and his team pulling out a big victory. Uh, and uh, finally, shout out to uh, um, Copenhagen Longcut. Uh, looks like uh, sale is going to be going up in Gainesville. We got a uh, got a coach with some chaw on his mouth. So, um, so shout out to their uh, to their stock probably going through the roof now uh, in Gainesville. Uh, Silk Nick, any final thoughts before we get on out of here? Hey buddy, he's just a North Georgia boy. You know there's well, you know there's going to be a little dip in there, buddy. Yep, yep. I uh, want to thank everybody who watched us on YouTube. Uh, let's see, Chris Porter Potter, pardon me, said the game wasn't as loud as Bama last year. Too many Utah fans from from X Five. I'll give a shout out, yeah, to Utah as well. Um, the fans came in heavy, uh, you know, probably 15,000, 18,000 uh, Utah fans. 
uh, it's a bucket list game, bucket list stadium for them, which I would imagine that the, uh, the return will be even more uh, evident next year when, uh, when the Gators head to Salt Lake City uh, for that game. Um, Rob Sniffin said uh, we got a, a score to settle after last year's debacle in Lexington. Uh, and, yeah, again, uh, we mentioned them during the show, but uh, Anthony Richardson, SEC Offensive Player of the Week, and uh, uh, Brenton Cox, SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. Uh, with that being said, good show, fellas. Thanks so much. Um, Jay, uh, with Silk being out, uh, Internet being a, a bit spotty there on I-10, uh, go visit manscaped.com. Use promo code SG20 for 20% off of your order and free shipping. Uh, if you are looking for um, ball deodorant, if you are looking for um, deodorant as a whole, body spray, whatever it might be beyond just manscaping, go check out manscaped.com. Use promo code SG20 for 20% off of your order. Uh, Nick? Song of the week time, huh? Yeah, you're up. I'm up. Um, oh, gosh. Let's see. Um, by the way, while I look for a song to play, Nick, did you see the video of Timmy Trumpet coming out in Shea Stadium or wherever the Mets play now? <laughs> Shea Stadium. Uh, City Field. And City Field. Yes. I don't know who Timmy Trumpet is. Oh, I, found, I found out. He, found he's out. a DJ and, and trumpeteer. I'll see him in uh, in uh, November. Timmy and his trumpet and about, what, about 50,000 people, give or take? Yeah, about 50,000 people, give or take. All right, uh, before my headphones die, uh, we're going to play um, my, uh, my friends, uh, two friends, and they have a song called Emily. So we'll play that one. We'll take it out. Shout out to everybody that listened. I've been saying shout out a lot this show. We'll work on a new way to do that next week. Uh, Silk will have internet back next week. Uh, Nick, we'll see you next week on uh, Same Corner, Same Time. You bet. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you soon. I chase the butterflies you give me. Your venom kiss me. Miss I Betty, so gullible. Now your piano plays me radio. Sang you in one go. Fake smile, but it's too wonderful. A fall guitar chords you could have picked. Strumming softly to sheet music. Nor the crash from your simple hits. Knew you'd beat me with every kick. No more mysteries inside your eyes. Ancient histories of you and I. Wind up back there every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are